everybody. Much love and gratitude for checking out another episode of the Enhance Your World Show, hosted by myself, Chris Olba. And today is episode 135, and we have uh, my friends Evan Hirsch and Kip Baldwin from NowShareLove.org sharing with us, you know, what's going on uh, this summer. Uh, You know, it's the 50th anniversary of uh, Summer of Unconditional Love and, you know, everything that's going on and how to implement, um, you know, unconditional love in our daily lives um, so we can truly become the harmonious, prosperous, and sustainable planet that we all authentically desire to live on. So without further ado, let me introduce you to my friends Kip Baldwin and Evan Hirsch. Uh, Thanks again, guys, for tuning in, and you can catch all the replays on EnhancingYourWorld.com. Thanks again, guys. Uh, Couldn't do it without you. Much love and gratitude. Bye-bye. Well, uh, welcome to the show, uh, Kip Baldwin and Evan Hirsch from uh, NowSharingLove.org and Summer of Unconditional Love, um, Soul. Uh, thanks for joining us again on the show. Um, just before we, we always have these great conversations prior to us getting on the show, and then we're like, damn it, we got to go back and try to repeat that. So, um, just, just to be clear to your audience, it's Now Share Love, and it's NowShareLove.org. Oh, I am so sorry. Did I? Uh, yeah, NowShareLove.org. I had that written down. I apologize. Um, I read it wrong. Um, so, um, thanks again, guys, for joining us. Um, we were just catching up. Um, I guess it was about maybe uh, six months ago we tried to do this, and I, I, I effed up and, and deleted the episode. So, um, we we were able to reconvene and realign. So, I appreciate that that this opportunity to do so. Um, and Kip and Evan, can you tell us a little bit about what you guys are doing and what's about to come up? You know, it's the 50th anniversary and all that fun stuff. So, um, can you, can you illuminate what's going on here? Uh, sure. Evan, you want to run with that? Well, I'll start with some basics. Essentially, this is a pet project of mine. Now Share Love evolved out of the last couple years of finding my way through purpose and evolving and growing into the light worker I was obviously destined to become. And so now it's a matter of a culmination of the message that's been developing for so long. And we have Kip here with his just love movement and mentality and wisdom and insights. And that has been such an influence on me. And I originally sought him out to help me tell my stories as well. And so that's what we're really doing at Now Share Love. We're telling stories, sharing experiences of ourselves and the people we run across, some extraordinary people, by the way, that we've been lucky enough to, to meet just so far in the short time we've been doing what we're doing. And through this, spread the best ideology and the best wisdom that we can find from some of these really insightful people. Again, even like Kip, and even with, given the insights that I have, that uh, seem to be fairly popular when I share them around, and that's what we want to do. Share around something that's going to be popular because people can relate to it, because we're, our goal is to appeal to as broad a cross-section of humanity as we can. And so we just talk about really simple, fundamental things. Go to nowsharelove.org and click on the Love Paradigm link on the top, and then read um, the PDF we have up there. We're working on a new presentation for it, but we have our Love Paradigm Manifesto, and that'll tell you the, the heart of what we, what we are passionate about. Right. 
Yeah, and and and, to, and as far as what's coming up, well, we're doing um, our official launch on April 30th, and this is uh, to celebrate Global Love Day with our friends Harold Becker and John Goltz, obviously from the Love Foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, we're and this is going to be um, a San Francisco event uh, in conjunction with It's Your District, which is a local nonprofit that works with uh, the local districts here in San Francisco to help find solutions to whatever uh, challenges any community here in San Francisco might um, be facing. Sunday Streets is also another uh, partner in this event. And Sunday Streets, they basically, they'll take over, like the first one we went to, they took over a a city street uh, called Valencia from DeBose to 25th, which is, you know, probably almost 10 blocks. And it just turned into a big street hangout of people just mingling uh, random music performers, random artists, um, people going in and out of shops, and just really people getting to know and just hang out without traffic on the streets. So these are all people that we're involved with um, and uh, that are going to be taking part in um, our launch, uh, our official launch of Now Share Love. We'll be doing playing some music. Um, we're going to um, do also where we've invited Blue Bear School of Music, which is a music program here in the Bay Area, and also we're hoping that Glide Memorial Church will be able to get their choir up with us and uh, let everyone know, just like we're doing right now, what Now Share Love is up to, and then also with um, all of the 50th anniversary of Summer of Love, well, I'll let Evan take that because it's, uh, oh my God, just you go, Evan. <laughs> <laughs> we, <laughs> we're very, very, as I said, we're just so tremendously fortunate. We were early on introduced by a friend of KIPP to Adam Hirschfelder, who is the Director of Strategic Initiatives for the California Historical Society. It's a nonprofit. They're based here in San Francisco, although they cover the whole state of California, which has an amazing, rich, wonderful history from Gold Rush and, and the viticulture moving in, all the winemakers from Italy and France, etc. Just our whole of the Native American history, of course, and the Spanish, you know, com- coming up from Latin America all through the ages. It's a really, really interesting melting pot of people. And so Adam was tuned into this 50th anniversary of the Summer of Love. They, they all were at the Historical Society, and they really wanted to use this opportunity. They're all about learning from history. Those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. We've all heard, right? Sure. So, okay, well, we haven't, but now at least who's heard it has. <laughs> But, well, you know, you know th- right? they want to, <laughs> yeah, they want to help us uh, uh, expose a history that could be perhaps vital to our our thriving moving forward. And that's just the wisdom, the, the simple wisdom of peace and love, of being in touch with your heart, of being real about things and not being so immersed in the story of what life is and what's right and wrong and good and bad and what matters and what doesn't and what we should be paying attention to and where we're burying our head in the sand and all the guilt feelings we have because we never do it quite right because everyone has a different version of what is right and no one is ever going to tell us that we're spot on. And so we're trying to transcend that and find that level of where are you always right on? Love, infinity, our infinite source. Right. It's, and, and it gets easier the, the, the more you look at it, you just see it. Okay, wait. You surrender to it. You let the ego go, and you recognize, maybe I know nothing. I probably do know nothing. I know so little, but I feel such profound confidence in knowing all that I 
need to know in any given moment and that the universe got me taken care of. And these are some of the, just some of the, the wisdom that came from the 60s and summer of love and the, the hippie spirit, as we sometimes call it, and the love movement, the flower children. And uh, one special group is the diggers. The diggers were like a, oh, God, a, a merry brand of do-gooders. <laughs> we have a friend deal with her, her group called the Army of Do-Gooders. So shout out to them and anyone who's, who's you know, putting their energy, time, and effort, and their heart, of course, into just doing things that support and nurture others and nurture life. The, all the more that do that, the, I think the better off we are. So because of all this wisdom inherent in that era, we wholeheartedly embrace and celebrate the 50th anniversary of the Summer of Love for what it stood for, love. Right. <laughs> it's right there in the title. It's a season, and it's a it's a... A philosophy, an ideology, love, love first. We love, you know, quoting John Lennon and some of the, who's <laughs> calling right now. I'm sorry, Anthea, I didn't give you a shout out, but <laughs> my phone was just ringing with Anthea Hardig, who is the executive director of California Historical Society. And they've just been so welcoming and wonderful to us, embracing what we're doing as reporting on, if you will, covering all of the, uh, the events of the Summer of Love, as many as we can at least, and the wisdom that we find there. That's what's most important for us is keep digging for the ideology in the 60s that we can benefit from now. That's the bottom line. And so we're going around to all these wonderful exhibitions at the, at the top fine art museums. The De Young Museum in San Francisco has an exhibition that just opened a few days ago, and it's called The Summer of Love Experience really cool stuff it's a it's a total flashback with swirling colorful lights and and psychedelia everywhere and some really some some interesting a lot of a lot of statements a lot of the, there was a movement there and it was a passionate movement like we have today who wanted to stand up against all the injustices and the the suffering that they saw in the world sure. and so we're, we're interviewing the curators, and we're taking you in, our audience, inside the exhibitions to see what's going on in there. If they can't make it, they can live vicariously. If it entices them and they're in the area or will be, they can come check them out for themselves. But we've been to the um, Berkeley Art Museum, the uh, DeYoung Museum in Golden Gate Park here in the city, at San Francisco City Hall. There's a photography exhibition from Jim Marshall, all photos, 89 photos from the year 1967. There's so many wonderful things going on. Today, I was mentioning the diggers earlier because the diggers would dig in the dirt on Haight Street where they had trees planted on the sidewalk, and they would plant tomato plants and food in the planter boxes around the trees just so kids who were living on Haight Street could have some tomatoes to eat, and they would give away food. They had something called a free store. You'd go into the free store on Haight Street with the diggers and just try on, find something you like, and have a hug and walk out and enjoy it and be be uh, clothed you know right. so the, um, today there's a lecture over at the berkeley art museum in conjunction with their exhibition called hippie modernism and it's peter coyote many people know from the movies he's an actor on tv etc and a lot of voice work uh, especially on um, narrating documentaries so he's giving a talk today at uh, bam psa about the diggers and counterculture and communes and that communal spirit and why these kids wanted to check out of mom and dad's, you know, insane view of reality with the white picket fence and the suit and tie and the nine to five and you don't get to raise your kids and yeah. 
And, and, and you know what's really exciting is, and, and incredibly hopeful, is um, everything that the 60s stood for, one, in all these exhibitions, is finally being honored and looked at in more depth and how it's actually impacted mm-hmm. our culture today, even though so many people, oh, they failed. Well, no, actually they didn't fail. So much of the social change we see today from uh, slow foods and organic foods to cannabis to psychedelics to um, to uh, race relations, to gay rights, women's rights, on and on and on, right. all really came out of the 60s. But what's really fascinating to me is that cycles of enlightenment supposedly go in about 50 years. So right. here we are, 50 years past that last cycle of enlightenment. Well, leading out of, you know, sort of the end of the summer of love, the end of the 60s, we had Nixon, we had the war on drugs, the demonization of cannabis, the end of, uh, you know, the, the psychedelic renaissance, if you will, because there was so much research going on before the 60s. Um, and unfortunately, because the, the hippies and Timothy Leary and everyone embraced it and thought, wow, this is consciousness expanding, what other people and all a matter of perspective saw, oh, my God, you're attacking my very moral value system, and I've got to stop this. Well, now look at what we've got. Okay, yeah, we've got Trump in the White House. Okay, right. that's a great thing because it's making us look at ourselves because... Ultimately, Trump is a manifestation of a really flawed system of which we're all a part and we all need right. to take responsibility for. But we've got the legalization of cannabis. We've got a resurgence of psych- uh, the psychedelic movement and looking at it for treating depression, ending opium addiction, and how, oh my God, how bad do we need that? Right. And on and on and on. So if, if we're looking at sort of going in reverse order, then maybe by the end of this cycle of enlightenment, this summer of love, We've actually brought fully to fruition all of the ideas and dreams that started then. I totally agree. You know, as I say, life's a, a, a spiral, and we spiral back in to get a better understanding. And you know, I was talking to my grandma before she passed this January, and we were talking about you know holistic health and you know the natural remedies and things like that. And I was telling her, you know, what I used on my son and things like that. And she goes. Well, my, my mom was a nurse, you know, she worked at the doctor's office, and she used to give me all that stuff, you know, that was what they, that, they made that, and that's what they prescribed back then. And I said, isn't that interesting that, you know, it's taken your whole life to, of course, we expanded the healthcare industry to, to learn more and get better understanding and have a better awareness of how we can save a life or extend a life. But it all is going back to what's a quality of life. And, and, Absolutely. And I think that's where, you know, I think that's where, you know, what the 60s represented um, needed to happen. And we needed to have, like you said, Trump, you know, when he got elected president, I will be the first one to admit that I was shocked that it happened because I, I just didn't see it happening. Uh, but at the reality of it, it was like, oh, well, this is exactly what needs to happen because this is, will create the awarenesses that we can shift from where we have been to where we want to be, um, and it will stop the delusion of, of separation of mind, of you know, those who feel that or think that they're right and, and feel that they're wrong, but they keep up that appearance because you know, that's what they were told to do and that's what we were conditioned to do and we were programmed to do because it was about being selfless for everybody else. And then, you know, what you had left is what you had for yourself. And so people kind of use that as a um, smokescreen, if you will, to project um, how to, to, to be egoic. 
you know, I was one of those examples. I owned a talent agency, and I always said, oh, you know, I'm, I'm doing this to be the benefit of other people. But ultimately, when people didn't pay me my commissions or do the things that they needed to do, what they said they were going to do, was I happy? No. Why? Because they weren't meeting my conditions of me. You know, the, the conditions yeah. that we set My for. standard is people will do such and such. And that's, yeah, you're right. Yeah. We're only talking about our own standards. Expectations. Right. Yeah. So, so, like, I was running around going, oh, I'm helping everybody, I'm helping everybody, and then they wouldn't pay me my commission. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> Why aren't you, you know, I'm running around telling everybody I'm helping everybody, but I wasn't saying. I, I created this business so we could create um, a viable um, opportunity for people to live their dreams, including me, because my dream was to help people achieve their dreams. And when I wasn't sustainable... In my business practice, I wasn't able to continue doing that anymore. Right. But now I now I'm here five years later doing what I'm doing now, which you know, why I think everything happens for the right reason. Why? Because I still get to do everything that I did back then. I just get to do it in a little better fashion than I did back then. Right. I mean, everything happens in in due course, and we improve ourselves moment by moment, and. And if we embrace the perfection of what um, this is and stop trying to control, um, then then we can have the experience we're, mm-hmm. of love we're meant to have. Right. You know, instead of struggling against it, you know, there's a there's a a, a, a Buddhist expression that says, you know, what what do you do um, before enlightenment? Well, you chop wood and you carry water. What do you do after you become enlightened? Well, you chop wood and you carry water. What's the difference? The struggle ends. You in, you're, you're, you move into flow. You allow what is to be instead of trying to force uh, your will upon uh, the moment. And sure. we will all appreciate all of you for all the more you do of that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's the world we all want to live in. It's the one where we're not hearing everyone, you know, expressing so so you know passionately and so regularly their dissatisfaction with their life right <laughs> in some way or another right. you know and, and so it's that acceptance of what is especially circumstances come along and and people you know let it ruin their day and then they're willing to go and ruin other people's day with their reaction to it and it it all feels very um I want to say blind I just can't think of a better word where we're not paying much attention to what we're putting out there. Sure. But do you, don't you not think it's a, a, call, a call to help or a call for because they're lonely and they don't know how to truly connect with people? So, you know, when well, we you, 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 Well, connect, connect is, a, is, a, is a huge word. I mean, we've been living um, in the delusion of separation for, I mean, longer, I think, than anyone has, any of us can really remember sure. um, or even document, really. Uh, that that loss of connection is at, is at the core of so so many of our issues. It's it's at the core of why we don't really know how to express love to one another. It's at the core of why we don't love the planet and nature and other life on the planet. We we've you know we've we've created this illusion of the other when the other is actually just a reflection of ourselves. Right. Whatever that other may right. be. But it's used to you know, and when we honor that, I think we use that as our own guide to grow where we want to go. I mean that's. That, you know, I think that's where, for me, gratitude comes in and, you know, all that. Like, ooh, you know, like the other day, I, I will admit, there was a big old snake that came to visit me on the, um, in my house. My son, of course, freaked out. My mm-hmm. wife freaked out. 
So I went to go get it, and of course it started striking at me, so I grabbed it as, as best as insecure as I could and, and, and you know, just got rid of it. Now I felt bad because it, was, it wasn't in a kindness that I typically like to handle, but in that moment I did what I felt like I needed to do so I didn't get bit and I solved the result uh, you know, the fear for my son who's six and my wife who, you know, she sees one and she freaks out. Um, <laughs> what kind of snake? Is that it, you know, it, it, it looked to be a gardener, but it was, it was, mm. it was all of, it was all of 10 pounds. I mean, it was a big snake. Um, well, I mean, I'll, I'll let Evan tell you about our recent snake experience. <laughs> well, it's all over Instagram <laughs> on, on, on Kip's feed. But, uh, yeah, we met Xerxes, uh, just a, a, a wonderful, charming uh, serpent the other day, and uh, boy, so I was playing the guitar, I was just strumming, it was sort of a mingling period, we were about to get started with some presentations, and I was just strumming a guitar, and they were passing Xerxes around to different people, and uh, a young lady was, was holding him, and I was sort of wandered near her, strumming the guitar, and the snake just went, like, start, it started like charming the snake like i was playing the recorder and he was coming out of the basket but he cruised right through the crook in my arm when you're playing guitar you imagine your your bent elbow when you're on your strumming hand uh-huh. and he just crawled right through that triangle around my waist and up the other and just wrapped around me like three times and just loved it and it was just like dancing with me or on me and he wanted to have his tail either on the strings or on my hand while I'm playing and it's the vibration that's right. how they that's one, they're one of their main senses right and then, then so that's stimulating to them and so he was just having a great old time and uh, Kip got a lot he's like Kip you gotta get a video of this so he just got a little quickie minute uh, clip that he put up on Instagram. Kip Baldwin, definitely follow him on Instagram. He puts up cool stuff all the time anyway, but that's one to check out. Yeah, yeah and I, it's also, I, um, I posted it up on uh, my Facebook wall, too. Um, but the, the, and then after Evan got done playing with the snake at this event we were at on Saturday, um, the snake, he gave me the snake and it crawled up on my chest. It was just literally sharing love with this symbol for our ego. It, because what snakes symbolize in so many uh, cultures and mythology is that we have this awareness, we have this intelligence, it's a power that we uh, have unleashed or embraced that we really don't know what to do with. And so whether it's in you know Christianity or any other uh, number of religions or, or um, mythologies, as I said, this, the embracing of the serpent and what the serpent represents is really important. It, it's a representation of our fear of literally ourselves, of, of how powerful we are, of how powerful our love can be, of how powerful um, our connection to really infinite wisdom uh, can be if we allow ourselves to embrace it and not be afraid of it and, more importantly, not try to control it. Now, I totally 100% agree with you, but I'm going to play a little bit of the devil's advocate. And I think the reason that we have so much darkness now is because so many people are loving their egoic, their shadow, or their limited self of what they know or their conditions. So they're just doing the same thing over and over again, not realizing why they're even doing it sometimes. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, there's, there's, um, you know, most people will be living the same life a year from now or doing the same exact routine a year from now, five years from now, ten years from now. Um, We become creatures of habit. Mm -hmm. And that's why one of the most important things, if I were to give 
you know, I don't know anything. I, I admit that I don't know anything. I think if we look out to the heavens or even around this planet and we let go of that ego, we realize that we're such an infinitesimal part of uh, the infinite or even just of the universe itself. And look up and go, we don't know shit. Mm. But if I were to give a piece of advice, I would say we need to stop. We need to take a collective breath. We need to align our hearts, our hearts' frequencies with one another, our hearts' frequencies with the planet, which this isn't, you know, mythology. This isn't spiritual mumbo-jumbo as some people would like to look at. it. You've got uh, organizations and um, scientific research outfits like HeartMath that are actually able to measure that heart field we're emanating. It's the same magnetic field that the planet's putting off that goes off infinitely. Mm -hmm. So we are innately connected to everything. And, yes, moving away from that ego, allowing ourselves to uh, relinquish the delusion of control is, is incredibly important and reprogramming ourselves, really. Sure, because I think they get stuck on a, on a label. You know, I was telling you beforehand, I just moved back in with my parents because we're getting our cash flow back in order. And, um, you know, he's, he's really worried about his legacy. You know, oh, I want to leave you something, you know, when I'm gone. And I'm like, you've already done that. You know, you're giving me the opportunity to chase my dreams. And if you hadn't sacrificed, if you hadn't done what you did, I wouldn't have this opportunity now. And we didn't have a great relationship, you know, growing up and that kind of thing. Um, because of the, you know, the, I, 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 I kind of threw the middle finger up to family tradition. You know what I mean? Um, I was a punk rocker. I was outspoken. I, you know, was all for equality. And, you know, I, I, they tried to push religion on me. And it just, the, the harder they pushed, the stronger my, my will got, you know? <laughs> And um, finally, it, it, it just, I, I quit school at 17 because I had to get out. It was, it was just a bad environment. And 20 years later now, it's very interesting, like we said before, the spiral and how everything, if we give ourselves that surrender, if we quit trying to um, push that pendulum up that hill for no reason and, and, and question it before we do, um, we really come into alignment with what's important and what's not. And relationships, well, seven, I think, is seven and a half billion stories. <clears throat> seven and a half billion stories being told on Earth, and each one has their own version of what that is. Right. That, that to me, sometimes is what's the most humbling of all, is that all I really know is my own version of what the story of life is. Sure. Is there a moon? Well, if I think so, then there is. And if I don't, then there's not. Now, you may try and convince me, and I may change my mind along the way, but all I have is the now anyway. And in the now moment, the story, the earth is exactly what I think it is. And, and, and it's exactly what you think it is. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And what Kip thinks it is. So it all the, these, these things are all determined by our own personal mechanism of everything in those neurons <laughs> right <laughs> and what we what we do when we yeah. witness something new with that information well right. a good way to look at it is it's, it's all a matter of perspective and even say say all of our senses were completely identical we heard the same we saw the same we tasted the same touched the same everything was identical which it's entirely not everyone sees colors different hears sounds different everything isn't equal but let's let's assume it is now, if you're standing in one position, I'm standing in another position in the same room, we're going to have a slightly different perspective of sound. We're going to have a slightly different perspective of 
um, what we're seeing. And all of that comes to affect and shape the story that, that we're, we're having the experience of and the story that we're sharing with one another. I was just listening to the, one of the interviews that we did with Jacques Fresco, a 101-year-old genius visionary, and he was explaining how Einstein explained to him that the giraffe looks at the dog and thinks, oh, that's mm-hmm. just a tiny little thing. And the mouse looks at the dog and says, oh, my God, that's a huge thing. And there it is. I, I picture that uh, little comic meme that I shared around a, a few weeks back, maybe a month ago. And one guy's standing there looking, and there's a six on the ground. Yeah. And the other guy across the room is looking yeah. down, and that's a sure as shit a nine on the ground. And yeah. there it is. It's uh, yeah. as simple as that. And I feel the more we embrace and recognize for ourselves and for the benefit of everyone else that this is one person's unique story and one person's unique perspective on everything and to take everything else with a grain of salt and to be patient and be kind and allow for other people to have their own experience of what life is because to them it is a six yep. to them that giraffe is is that snake is scary to to the other guy whoa i mean we we were hanging out with a guy who dances with snakes the other night right. you know he would have probably known what that snake was i can't know what i don't know but i mean say someone say say who is the the uh Steve, uh, what's his name down in Australia? The yeah, Gator or, guy. or someone that had yeah. identification. Yeah, so say he walked into the room, he'd yeah. be like, oh, that cool, a gardener's snake, or you know, whatever, yeah. and gone and picked beauty. it up. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> allowing, allowing for people, because how often do we yuck someone's yum? How often is someone else in their perspective really enjoying a moment, and we uh, walk around and go, ew, or yeah. I hate that song. Yeah. We're not yeah. allowing them to live in the reality of their world. We're imposing the reality of ours on each other and i think this is the the single most thing we could pay attention to the most i think we would get the most benefit by paying attention to that one thing how am i impacting my environment and am i imposing my story or am i allowing the story to unfold mm-hmm. and 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 i love that yucking someone's gem i i mean personally i find that so frustrating if i'm sitting down just from the perspective of having a meal, and it's something I really enjoy. And somebody sitting across the table from me goes, "Ah, oh, how can you eat that?" It's like I really want to just go, "F you," you right. know. It's like this is my experience. Right. I'm enjoying this. Why are you imposing your personal prejudices or your personal tastes on me? And we do this in everything all the time. And yes, all of a sudden you're now in a defensive mode. Well, this is something I like, so you're saying you don't like it, and this is the cause of so many conflicts. And to that um, uh, story that. Evan mentioned about uh, Jacques Fresco and Einstein. Another perspective on that is also that it, in, in this, when you're painting on the canvas of infinity, there is no lesser or greater than. All are equally infinitesimal. So, you know, to the point about uh, the giraffe looking down and seeing the dog, the dog like, well, take that down to the level of, say, the Higgs boson up to an atom. The Higgs boson's tiny compared to the atom, the atom's tiny compared to the molecule, and on and on and on, up the ladder and down and down and down. And again, it's a matter of perspective, it's a matter of letting go of ego, and embracing that there's always going to be an infinite amount that we don't know in comparison to what we do know. Right now, we're pretending like we are little mini-gods, and we've got it all figured out. Meanwhile, we don't have anything figured out. Right. Yeah, I wish I would have. Obviously, if we, if we can't figure out how to just be content with life and take care of ourselves and each other and our planet, then 
there's no, we haven't figured it out, right? I think well, the evidence would be a healthy, thriving population and, and, and each of us being satisfied with our level. And how many of us are really happy with the way we take care of ourselves and the way we engage with others and that we always walk away satisfied like, mm, I, left, I made a good impact, I left a good impression. Yeah. Or even if you make a bad one, you understand that one, you're both going to learn from it. And it's, if it's an unconditional relationship, you guys are going to overcome it. You know what I mean? Like, I just well, celebrated I'm, my, my yeah. 18th year anniversary with my wife, and we got married uh, young, but we started dating when we were 17. And, you know, people go, wow, that's such an, a great ac- accomplishment in, the, in, in today's day and time. And I'm like, yeah, I guess, you know. But you know what it was? It was one day at a time. Some days was, we, we were cheating on each other, sleeping with other people, doing the things that, you know, whatever. But at the end of the day, we figured it out. That, you know, mm-hmm. we, we accepted each other for, you know, that we were human. And we accepted that well, we, it, were, we were, uh, you know, going to make mistakes. And it was how we worked past them and how we uh, worked together and how we stayed in communication that allowed us the opportunity. I mean, if we would have just got pissed and said, you know what, fuck you, and got a, you know, went and got a divorce, we would have never been able to overcome those little challenges that now, you know, again, as far as we've gone, you know, we can go, oh, yeah, you have infidelity issues in your relationship? That's not a problem. We can figure that out. Um, we can we can figure out why you feel like you're missing now, something. The important point right there is these, is these false value judgments based on things. And I know it's like it's wrong with You guys are breaking up. Yeah, your phone's breaking up a little bit there, Chris. Yeah, I'm sorry for that. Lovely Google. Okay. Are you there? <laughs> I we're here. All right, cool. Now, now, and so I agree. What, what I mean, what I'm saying is, is that we play. We... <laughs> Go on. Yeah, we must be angering the Google gods, um, and they're killing our bandwidth. I don't know. Oh, well, it happens. Yeah, okay, here we are. Um, and, it, it, and you're right. I mean, those are minor things, those infidelities, those, those, those tests of our character. Um, they come up, and, and we, you know, we've mentioned it before. You know, it's all about presence. It's all about matter of the now. And we can only solve our issues. We can overcome our challenges in the present moment. So when we accept that there are there was a limita- uh, limitation of the past based on our expectations of our relationships, uh, we can overcome those things. And I think that was the point that I was trying to make on that. Right. And, and what I was saying is that we place also these value judgments on things, good, evil, right, or wrong, positive, negative, when, when in truth it's like they're just experiences we're having. Right. Um, and if you, you know, are these the experiences that Chris is meant to have? Yes, absolutely, you had them, so they're experiences you were meant to have. You can perceive of them as bad, but like we were, we, we were having dinner last night, I was sharing that, you know, all, no matter what hardship or anything that I've gone through in my life, 
I love it because it's made me who I am today. And, and there's a benefit in every single experience that we have in our lives. And if we embrace it like that and go, okay, gosh, I had this challenge or I had this thing, but I'm a better person, or it gives me the ability to share with someone from a place of experience and, and true sympathy, not even just empathy, to look at somebody and go, I get where you're coming from. I've had a similar experience. That's powerful and it's beautiful. Right. Well, and nothing I, bad about that. And I think a lot of times, again, our ego is afraid, so it tries to hide those scars. And then that's how we can truly, authentically connect, um, you know, by sharing those scars. Those, you know, because who, everyone will share a good experience, you know. <laughs> I mean, everyone would say, yeah, I, I traveled here, I did this, I've done that, I've achieved this, yeah, woo, woo, you know, but very few of them are like, hey, look, I've struggled with addiction. Hey, I've, you know, I've attempted suicide multiple times. Hey, I've, I've had this issue. I've had this scar. We, and and it, it, what it does is it opens up our humanity of our individual and say, hey, look, here's our commonalities. It's not our differences anymore. It's our commonalities. It's just a darker version of it, you know. Um, I was in the adult industry for a long time, and people go, oh, well, you know, they kind of pass judgment on it. I'm like, you know what? I really enjoyed myself. It was a lot of fun. I got to hang out with a lot of cool people um, and, and, you know, got to, to live very abundantly on a material basis um, and got to do a lot of things that had I not been in that industry, I probably wouldn't have had the opportunity to do. Why? Because people that didn't live in that if industry anyone has didn't get to do it yet, <laughs> you know? Well, and the thing is, is like Kip was saying, whatever anyone thinks of, quote-unquote, that industry is just their own story, their own, quote-unquote, right. value judgment that could have come from a myriad of sources. It could have been one statement someone made in their life or could have been a culmination. They could have evolved on it over the years. I'm sure that there are plenty of people who loved pornography at one time and then grew to hate it and resent it and other people who thought it was disgusting for most of their life and then were turned on to it and discovered it and right we do that we're mm -hmm. everything's subject to change for us our every time we turn the page on a new day of our own personal story on our journey through life it's a new opportunity for brand new beginnings and and we know that things evolve and change so much and so any anything anyone judges for you being in any industry or whether that was right or wrong or a good use of your time or throwing your life away, that's them writing a story. And sure. you, what you feel about it yourself, that's the same thing. That's you writing a story and you mm -hmm. observing the story that you're writing. Right. <laughs> and then writing that, writing the guy observing the story he's writing. Right. And then that's the fun cycle because, I mean, if someone was like, well, what, you know, what could you have learned from it? Well, I could give you some lessons. <laughs> you know, there's certain things that are some drawbacks or whatever. But then there is the the pluses too, and it's whatever you choose to focus on. For me, I would rather focus on the good stuff than the bad stuff. But I'm aware that the bad stuff happened. You know. Um, well, look, I mean, Je Jeffrey Dahmer can focus on how delicious the bodies taste, but sure. does that make it any better that he that he's killing people to eat them? Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know? So, again, it, it always all boils down to story. And to some people, killing and eating people is their culture. It's right. what they're expected to do. There's sure. no negative judgment against it. So let, that's where I love to really just open my mind and remember that not only are there seven and a half billion people on earth but we looked up last night it's an estimated hundred and seven billion that have lived on earth and and that 
that's a lot of stories and a lot of versions and a lot of opportunities to do very different things. This, yeah, this yeah. peaceful planet group posted on Facebook yesterday an article in a British newspaper of a, 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 a woman who was um, uh, arrested for uh, bestiality, being involved in a bestiality club and a group and having videos and photos of herself, having sex with animals. And these people in this peace, quote-unquote peaceful planet group, which I, which I unlike this morning, are all vitriol and hatred and, and disgusting, and this woman should be hung, and, and the vomit emoji and all that. And it's like, you go to Amsterdam, and in their adult video stores, there's a whole department on bestiality. They're right on the cover, blowing right. horses and stuff. It's different stories. However gross you think that is, the reality is it's out there happening, and you can choose to accept and allow it or resist and reject it, which only brings yourself down. It disassociates you with your own heart, and it drives other people away because you're putting out a negative vibe of your resentment of the way life is. Well, guess what? Life is the way life is. We can resent it or we can embrace it, and that's the bottom line. And now share love. You're going to find the love way. We're going to, we ask all the time, what would love do? What's the love version of this? How can we, we see the, how can we find the love in any situation? How about that? Well, and it's always there. It's the, it's the, it's the higher vi uh, polarity of, of life itself. So, um, yeah. you know, it's, it's, you know, I, I was talking to someone the other day and I said, you know, what is love? Define love. And she said, I can't. I said, it can only be experienced, right? And she said, yeah. I said, well, why would life be any different? Why, you know, why, why would, why would, you know, you know, the, 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 the silence is always there until it's broken by sound. You know, it's, what do you want to focus on? Do you want to focus on the part that's going to be painful or do you want to focus on the part that's going to help you overcome and accept and flow and, and learn from it? Because you can use it either way. And this is the work, you know, for, for your listeners. This is the work. What, what we're doing right here and now, what, what Chris is talking about and expressing right now, I was just thinking about this this morning. This is the behind-the-scenes work. These are the exercise. These are the push-ups and the sit-ups that we do when things are easy and we're pontificating our philosophies of a utopian world and living heart-based and everything will be great and we'll all love each other, but there's a reality out there going on too. And the question is, how good can we get how, how well can we develop that skill for in the moment when the shit hits the proverbial fan out in the real world? Are we able to self-regulate, maintain coherence between our heart and our brain, and be able to react in a manner that's more consistent with who we really are in our heart, a loving, compassionate being who embraces and accepts all that is? Okay. <laughs> you see? So this is the work. This is where, you know, you go to the gym and you lift the, the really hard weights, or you go on a run and you push yourself really hard so that when you're walking around the rest of the day, it's easy. Right? right? It's like the batter who's in, in, on deck, he's, he puts those donut weights on the bat so they're harder to swing. So when he goes and, and gets the real, just a plain bat and goes up against the pitcher, it's like flicking a toothpick. Right? So you set yourself up for it. So that's what, that's what we're doing here. We're, we're doing the work and we're putting the, doing our homework and putting the time in with the, the exercises and the workbook. And so that when we go out and face, um, you know, a world full of what we could consider potential adversities, what our heart may react to, 
our, our heart, we have each heartbeat to take an emotional pulse and recognize, was that a woe or was that a yay? And if it's a woe, boom, that was one heartbeat. The very next heartbeat, if we get good enough at this, the very next heartbeat could, want, could be one of, ah, but I know what to do. Right. Ah, I'm reassured. Right. I've, I've done my exercises. Ah, I can deal with this. Ah, there goes life. And if we get really advanced, then we'd start to laugh at it. Yep. And someone could be saying, fuck you, man, and spit in our face. And we're like, oh, my God, dude, do you want a hug? <laughs> right? And really mean it. Right. And why shouldn't we? And why can't we? Right. And that's what we're here right. to prove. We're evolving out loud, as our, our friend Kyle C. says. I and we want to show the world how you do it. You know, I was an angry punk, too. I was scared to death. World War Three, as TSOL sang, was coming. And that we were, we, World War Four was going to be fought with sticks and stones, as we learned in elementary school. And we were doomed. And Reagan was going to, you know, drive us into the, the gutter and all of it. Yep. And... That teenage angst can blossom into a deep, insightful um, harmony with, within it, with the environment. Because once you've seen it at its worst and you recognize, look, what, what Jacques Fresco teaches us is that no matter how bad you think it is, I, I believe that we know such a tiny bit of all the information there is out there to know. And however bad we think things are with government, with business, with, with corruption, with any of it, that no, such a tiny fraction of what's really going on. It's so much worse than we, than we know, than we think, and that we could even possibly imagine. Just think of the worst movies, of the, the worst heinous crimes, and, and just let it soak in that, that there are plenty of people on this entire world who would happily do that to anyone they could at any time if they can get away with it. Hell That's yeah. just the reality of, of, of life. Mm-hmm. No, I totally agree. I saw a guy, I saw a Cincinnati cop today riding around on a chariot. I almost wrecked. I was laughing so hard. Um, it was like a little powered chariot thing. And it, it made me think like, you know, people were like, oh, we need to up the police because that will bring down the crime. No, it doesn't. It just drives it deeper underground. Like when I was doing things that I didn't want to get caught doing, I just went deeper in the shadows because not everybody is willing to follow you that far. Um, and <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you know, I mean, and run, like, but you can't hide. Yeah, I mean, and sure, you know, there's a risk. I mean, you know, again, with the drugs and all that kind of stuff, people have asked me, "How did you not get arrested?" And I'm like, I don't. Looking back, I was just very fortunate because you know now I wasn't being very slick. I thought I was being slick, but I, you know, I mean. When a shooting breaks out at a club that you're promoting, and you got you know a felony's, you know felony worth of coke in your pocket, you're not being real slick. <laughs> you know, like, you know that's yeah. you know when you're you know, all of a sudden have to run run and go hide real quick to get rid of your stuff because you gotta go talk to the cops because you know something just happened that was beyond your control. Well, that's how you get caught. That's how you. That's how those career criminals it takes them 20 years but they finally get busted the the ex-business partner that i had that that helped me get out of the talent agency business um you know he got busted he had an investment firm and got caught embezzling a hundred thousand dollars out of his firm um which of course destroyed you know a bar that we had with the 25 employees the talent agency that represented 70 uh plus uh talent plus eight different agents i mean it affected everybody because it was all connected and um you know it happens and 
it's it's when those things happen that we have the true test of who we want to be because you know it's so easy to be happy and blissed out when i'm meditating in my room and nothing's trying to climb on me or flick me or you know anger me or try to to, to try to get me out of my zen um but when those people do come to test me and i walk the Tao, i thank them because they helped prove to me, yeah. to myself, that I was stronger than I believed that I could be in the moment prior to being tested. We can be an inspiration to ourselves for sure. The little—that's the baby steps. When we do some, the little we celebrate the little wins and see that we're doing it. Because we end up—I'll circle back to a word you brought up earlier: spirals. Things happen in spirals, and what. Um, Barbara Fredrickson in her book, Positivity, talks about the upward spiral of positivity. And it, it does, it is. And if you think about it, it, it just makes so much sense. You could, you could imagine the scenario in your head. You, you did your meditation, and then something came along that happened, and you didn't react as you recognized you once would have. And now you say, whoa, I, that was amazing. I, I didn't see that coming. I didn't know I was capable. Hey, I'm doing this. That stuff works. I've got to do more of that. And then you do a little more of it, and you're like, it just builds and builds and builds, and then someone else sees, oh, wow, you, I'm surprised how you're reacting. Like, I know, I've been meditating, it really helped out, and they're like, well, really, I should try that. Yeah, it's great, and it's just, it's on, it's game on, that's all it is, making the choice to embark on the journey, and then boom, it's game on, let it shine. And um, she also taught, that's a great book, by the way, Positivity, really highly recommended, and she talks about the three-to-one ratio, the positivity ratio, where we experience so many things in, in a day come across our radar and that if, if we're bogged down with too much negativity and not enough hope and positivity and comfort and harmony in our life, then we get down. But we can get on board that upward spiral of positivity if we intentionally to at least three to one, three positive to one negative, um, you know, reception of, of information. And I've, I, I, it made a lot of sense for me. It resonated so well because I've always been a pretty happy guy. I've always taken things in stride for the most part. Not that I haven't had my emotional reactions to gazillions of things in my life, but for the most part I've been sort of oriented towards the, the more positive and outgoing. And that's, you know, nature and nurture. Who knows? It's, it's, it's probably a bunch of each and both. But the thing is, is that I realized my ratio is like, Maybe it was 10 to 1, maybe a dozen, maybe it was more. Now I realize, now that I'm aware of it and I intentionally don't watch the news, don't watch a feed that someone's feeding me, I choose what to see in my feed, all of a sudden I'm probably up to 100 to 1. I just don't get a lot of negatives and getting bombarded with positivity and the world's looking worth living in and worth pursuing and developing and growing in and, and, and worth harmonizing with and influencing others. Sure. And that's what we're doing. Our mission is to spread ideology to influence the conscious evolution of mankind. Dude. Sounds like and, a great mission. Uh, we're spreading love, brother. <laughs> that's and, and worth it. It's the only thing I can see worth it. I'm a I've been a philanthropist for many years. I've given to um, you know animal organizations. I've given to environmental organizations. I've given to science institutions. And the bottom line, at the end of the day, I feel more productive when I spread ideology because we can have a shift together, all of us, and then we can take care of all the animals and all the environment and have all the science museums because, of course, we would. Because as Jacques Fresco says, why are we teaching kids a Cinderella fairy tale Santa Claus tooth fairy story of what life is when we could be teaching them how beautiful they are and how beautiful their planet is? Right. But we don't. So 
that's that's our opportunity, and we're down for that. You know, message of love, <laughs> count me in, right? Right. Uh, and as, um, you know, after all, Kip, we, we all know, know that something needs to change. And that's the common link. If, if you ask anyone, is life, you know, if, and if someone said, no, life's perfect, everything in the world is perfect, well, then great. Then they're fine. <laughs> right. But for everyone else who says, yeah, something needs to change, yeah, something's not right, yeah, life isn't perfect, then... Let's have a talk. Right. The first thing that needs to change is ourselves. And, and something that you mentioned, Chris, is, you know, it's one thing to be in your meditative state. And there's a, a video link I'll send you on this thing called Samadhi, and it talks about that, how really, and, and to me what I realized yesterday is Samadhi is synonymous for me with love and infinity. is just embrace moving beyond the ego self, moving beyond that reflection um, to the I am that is, is behind all of this. That's, right. that's where my thoughts are being formed, that where consciousness is. And we will go through sometimes, you know, who knows how many cycles of awakening and going back to sleep, awakening and going back to sleep, coming into the day feeling, okay, I've got it figured out, only this step in the day, and you get sucked right back in. It takes a while for us to reprogram, build up that muscle that allows us to take our understandings that we have in our meditative state into life and say, it's one and the same. These aren't different places. I am still the same I that was meditating that woke up into, you know, this new day of being plugged into whatever human civilization is. We Welcome to, to the new day. Welcome right. to the new day, yeah. brother. Absolutely. Isn't it beautiful? Uh, yeah, and I love the new moment, too, because sometimes, you know, uh, we can't get out of the day fast enough. <laughs> um but that's presence, you know, um, and that's just being aware. Like, hey, you know, I, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Eckhart Tolle and that presence, and you know, really being and and just if you if you're in an angered state, just admit that you're angry. It's okay, um, because once you realize you're angry, well, you don't want to be angry, so you let go of the anger. Um, you know, it's. Um, so for me, it is about flow. It's about being present, and, and you know, not everything's going to work out our way, and um, it's not supposed to. And what fun would it be if it was? Because then we'd be like a bunch of spoiled little rich kids just doing whatever we wanted because, you know, we've never been met with any difficulties. And we've seen what that. I'm finding a real. <laughs> I'm finding a real value in you know you mentioned things going your way and I'm I'm finding a real value in really really eliminating letting go of whatever this concept of my way even would be. Sure. How people should behave. What what the weather's going to. I mean, forget that. But <laughs> right, I love it. those guys. Oh, it's it's going to rain. Yeah, and <laughs> bring an umbrella. <laughs> yeah, but 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 it's just. My way of my it gets pissed back to what we were saying and what Kip was uh, you know illuminating earlier about our expectations. That mm -hmm. whole thing about things going my mm -hmm. way. Well, that was all my expectation. So I just I just love more and more when those come to mind and I think I have that thought of what I expect or whatever. Boom! I laugh at it and let it go. The thing is, we have so many expectations that are built in. They're wired. They're hardwired because we've been immersed in them our entire lives. When we go to say hello to someone, this came up in an interview we had with Boots. Who says there? What's with people these days? You, you, you say hi to someone on the street, and it's like kind of grumble or ignore you, you know. And and the thing is, is that <laughs> it's like he says he's saying what 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 happened? A little you know, kindness and compassion, peace and love. And uh, I can see why people are, are witnessing and feeling a lot of that as they go through, but they're also writing a story as they go, and 
when I was younger, I, there were some wise elders around me, and they were talking about these things like creating your own reality and all that. And to me, it sounded a little hocus pocus. Or yeah, right. What about all the chaos of the universe that I run into when I get there? Well, you still, as soon as you decide what to do with it, as soon as you decided where to place yourself, and then whatever came along came along, and then you decided what to do about it, you are writing your own story, my friend. And that took me a while to learn, but I think it's one of those really valuable fundamental lessons because it applies to so much once you embed it into your thinking. And that's the thing about yeah. spreading ideology. It's finding the ideology that we can embed into our thinking that will be a launching point for all the other things that we perceive after we've learned it and embedded it and embraced it and employed it in our thinking. Then when things come along, they, they come along against the backdrop of all we've learned and discovered. And that's when that's when we really start benefiting from the lesson and accelerating uh, exponentially our ability to deal with things. And that's what this is all about, is our ability to deal with things, right? Are we accepting? Mm -hmm. The clock moves forward. It keeps moving forward. The, the planet keeps spinning around and flinging around the sun and flying through space at 70,000 miles an hour. I don't know how our hair doesn't even blow, but anyway, uh, <laughs> protected by this bubble of our atrium here in our, in our atmosphere. <laughs> But, but that, that thing's going to just keep going. And so every day is a new opportunity. Every moment's a new now. Every heartbeat's a new, new chance to, to reinvent our thinking and, and uh, expand exponentially. So let's take that trip. Yeah. And it sounds like a lot better adventure for me. Instead of just, like, making it this mundane, like it never changes, it's always the same. It's, and then when it doesn't do the same, you know, like... And I'm not bashing on anything. I'm just using my personal experiences. But my parents like to eat at the same restaurant. You know, it's like family, you know, family birthday. Well, we eat at this one restaurant. It's like, you know, there's all these great restaurants all over. We live in, Cincinnati, you know, outside of Cincinnati. So there's all these great restaurants, just like there is all over the world. Do you have to go to the one chain store that you've always gone to? <laughs> like, can't we try? So you have, you have that expectation. You have that expectation that they'll sure. be open to variety, that they'll embrace variety and take advantage of the opportunity to, to enjoy the variety. And, and, and there it is. This is the whole thing. Is yeah. We're just telling our own version. The clock, the clock keeps going forward, and we are either flowing along with it, accepting it, embracing all that life flings our way, or we're resisting it. No, wait, that's not what I wanted to happen. No, wait, I can't face right. that. Then we're not rolling along. We're, we're just fighting. We're just resisting, and, and that's what we're feeling. I think we know what that feels like. I think that that's the one thing we can all agree on is we know what it feels like when we're not loving life. And if we're not loving life, then we're fighting what is, because sure. it is what is. Sure. <laughs> if we perceived it, it's as real to us as can be. Well, and I think that's the devil's advocate of always questioning. You know, I learned, you know, in my journey on this, like, I used to, again, I used to go, oh, well, GMOs are this, and people would combat my information. And then I would start asking questions, like, well, wh what do you think about this, versus telling them what to think. And it creates a conversation. And it allows us to move in a direction um, to where we can find mutual understanding and, and mutual compassion. And it's not, you know, um, isolating ourselves based off people that aren't meeting our expectations or not giving ourselves love by being non, you know, not in our, what we want to be. You know what I mean? Because we all have desire. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just opposing your desire upon someone else's desire, which I feel. Yeah, I mean, let's face it. 
for some people, variety is the spice of life. Let's go to every restaurant in town. Hell, I set out on a mission to eat at 100 different restaurants in, in the Bay Area within a year and not repeat one. And, and we did. By November, we had gone to 100 different restaurants. So that's cool to embrace. And at the right. same time, I've had periods in my life where we went to the same spot every you know, few times a week, maybe even. Um, where where we felt welcome, it's like where everybody knows your name. You yeah. know, we 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 knew our servers and we had our family. We we loved the food. We, it was consistent. We knew what we were getting. So I can totally understand that as well. And I, that's where again I, I see the greatest value is that that um, compassion and allowing for the seven and a half billion other stories that are out there that we're going to come in contact with. That we're going to be confronted with other people's versions of the story. The reality that they're writing all the time as we move through life and, and engage with other humans. So biggest, uh, you know, plea, my passionate plea and, for your audience is, is about that, that letting go and, and allowing. And I'd like awesome. to share one, uh, you know, sort of final note here as well is um, you just mentioned the word desire. And um, I want to share with your audience um, something that is sort of a mantra of mine, which is I have no desire. I have no control. I have no fear. By letting go, I lost nothing and gained everything because the love I am is absolutely everything. I am my absolute self. I am love. And that means to even move beyond the desire to be desireless. You know, you have to really get to that place of just being comfortable with whatever life brings you and being satisfied with this amazing experience we're having because back to, you know, something I said earlier, we really don't know what's going on. We pretend mm -hmm. like we do. We pretend like we have a clue as to where we're going and how our actions are going to affect the next moment or tomorrow we don't we don't everything in my life says no let go let go and and again by letting go i think a lot of people are afraid of the idea of letting go thinking that they're going to somehow lose the experience of the self but they don't it only expands the experience of self right now we are having such a tiny tiny experience of what we really are and um you know to quote marianne williamson she said you know it's not that we or paraphrase or we're it's not that we have are afraid of our powerlessness we are afraid that we are powerful beyond measure right yep yep well we fear the un step you know, into your beauty step into unknown, your power so. go with love it 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 it's um it just sounds right right and well it feels <laughs> right too it just sounds like a good idea doesn't it yeah, yeah. now well, share love and now share love dot org now share love on facebook and come come join the conversation and we want to hear your stories about how love is treating you lately. Yeah, and, and, and like Evan and I have been joking lately, it's like, what's the worst that can happen if we suddenly all embrace love and try this love thing out on a mass scale like we've done fear for thousands of years? Well, we get to fail in a whole new way. It's the worst that could happen. <laughs> That's yeah. the worst that could happen. Hey, that doesn't sound too bad to me. That doesn't sound too bad to me. Well, Kip and Evan, thanks again for joining us. Um, I mean, as always, it's a pleasure um, seeing you guys out there and, and living your guys' examples and sharing it with the world. And uh, you want, want to give some plugs one last time to how they can get a hold of you? NowShareLove.org. <laughs> and come on Facebook. Uh, our, our YouTube channel is NowShareLove. These are all, all one word, NowShareLove. NowShareLove so, now with yourself with each other. Um, shout out to our friends Harold and John over at the Love Foundation. Check sure. them out too. And, and they were literally wrote the book on unconditional love, and it's a yeah. beautiful book. And 
they say what they firmly believe, which is that love begins with me. Yeah. So start with yourself. Give love. Yep, yep. Awesome, awesome. And 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 they did. They were. They've both been on the, as guests on our show. So I I can one hundred percent concur with that. And I know you guys spend a lot of quality time with them. So um, thanks again, guys, for all that you do, everything that you are, and everything that you choose to be. And that will be the wrap of our show. Again, you can check out all the replays on EnhancingYourWorld.com. Thanks again uh, to Kip Baldwin and Evan Hirsch from NowShareLove.org. And we will talk to you very shortly. Much love and gratitude, guys. Have a wonderful day. Bye-bye. Take care.